The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. Uh, me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts, Adam, uh, it's not Groundhog Day yet, uh, but another week has gone by when it we haven't had Brewers baseball on the field to talk about because it turns out you don't play professional baseball in January. I'm just coming to terms with that, watching uh, some of the Dominican Winter League Twitter highlights is, is getting me through. Um, we This episode is going to be a little bit more of a grab bag of some things that are just bouncing off my brain, Adam, that I want to run by you. You know, we have a lot of conversations. We have a lot of talks, but sometimes I just need to hear, hear your voice and, and hear your takes expressed in that Irish accent. But before we get to all of that, Adam, how you doing? Welcome. I'm doing fine. Uh, there was I did see you at one point today. Say we weren't even friends. We were actors who uh, were, were filling the world with our Benny podcasts. So it's quite the quite the range today of descriptions for this whole thing that that we're going through. Um, yeah, you said Groundhog Day. That also distracted me immediately because that's the the book's whole deal right now. Although things are looking up for the books, I won't get carried away with that just yet. But for the Brewers, at least, you know, it's still in a place where it's like, yeah, bring back the Brewers. We all want to see the Brewers in action again. Uh, How long that will last, who can say? But right now, we all miss them. We sure do. And And they were speaking of speaking of books, Andrew. I mean, uh, Willie Adamas and Freddie Peralta and Owen Miller were all at a books raptors on tuesday night and as i shared with you i i did happen to see some of it on my league pass feed you get the in-game stuff between timeouts and freddie was uh he was firing some t-shirts to the upper deck and i i don't know if that's advisable given how things have been for him in the last year or so so luckily we having great fun big smiles him and willie were having a great time uh but just let's let's get you to the season of one piece freddie can I can I channel uh, some of our good friends on the Eurostep Podcast Network uh, by being positive 
positive pat right here. And I'm going to take it as a sign that he's he's fully healthy and he's ready to go. The shoulder's feeling great. That that shirt, uh, the reading on the radar gun, it actually hit 96 on that throw. <laughs> so that that's something to look forward to. Also, if you haven't listened to the the Eurostep episode that came out uh, yesterday with Rohan Cotty and Ty Windish, you know, great listen. Eurostep, win in six, make time for this, talk of the tundra, cruising for a bruising. We got a lot of stuff going on, gspn.info. Um, so thankfully, Adam, the Milwaukee Brewers and our beloved Matt Arnold, who uh, has been the maker of news several times this offseason, mostly with trades and uh, one signing, uh, he decided to make another signing the night before we record a podcast instead of 20 minutes into a second podcast. So I appreciate you, you that. You don't know that he's going to, he might do that too. Don't tempt fate. Don't threaten me with a good time. I always love any time I have an excuse to scroll through people's baseball reference pages. Um, and we're going to get to that news in a minute, but I want to touch on something that branches off a little bit from some of uh, what we talked about uh, last week. MLB.com uh, conducted those surveys where they talked about uh, prospects and you know who had the best tools, most underrated, that sort of thing. But another prominent baseball publication has released their top 100 prospects list going into the season. Uh, baseball America, I'm a subscriber. I know no free ads, but they do great work, and we're going to use them to, to talk about a lot of things uh, when it comes to prospects and, you know, eventually the draft this summer, Adam. I'm going to be I'm going to be stocked and loaded on draft knowledge going into to next year, so that's going to be great for me. But they came out with their top 100 list, and the most – Notable name that you know is near the top is going to be Jackson Chorio, obviously coming in at third rank on that list. Ahead of him, though, are Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll, who Corbin Carroll will be in the big leagues with the Diamondbacks immediately from opening day on. Gunnar Henderson should also have a chance to do that with the Baltimore Orioles. And then at that point, Adam, once they are no longer eligible for this list, in theory, assuming... Nothing crazy happens with performance or health. The Milwaukee Brewers will have the top-rated prospect, uh, according to Baseball America. Adam, this is something that a lot of sports fans just don't get to experience. Having somebody that's at the top of the mountain, uh, you have gotten to experience what it feels like to go on the ride uh, of prospect to best in the world with Giannis. But what are your thoughts on... That's a very different journey. Oh Giannis yeah, this was well, certainly for... not an world prospect. I, I don't want to because I don't want to give what's probably the much closer to reality version of that that I've lived through because it will spook a lot of Milwaukee sports fans. But <laughs> the version of that that was maybe closest to oh well, look, everyone is saying this is the guy was Jabari Parker, and that didn't work out quite Ooh. as well. Um, so yeah, the Giannis trajectory is much more fun, and maybe I guess in some ways, Churio has kind of his rise has been meteoric and he's come on the radar a little bit later to some other guys. So we can just we can work it to fit that way instead of being oh, you know, when you've got a, a prospect that good. I did see though, um, Kurt Hogue, Adam McAlvey, plenty of others trying to work out is this. Like as is number three, is that the highest rated prospect the Brewers have all have ever had? Um, obviously, this isn't something that has carried across throughout the history of the franchise. There are players that you can't make a point of comparison to. Um, I believe it. It seems like people are working out that it is though. They've had kind of four and five before. I saw who it was earlier. I'll try to find it now, um, to remind myself, but. They haven't necessarily got up into that absolute elite. They had Ricky Weeks and Prince Fielder as four and five back to back in two thousand and four, uh, but that seems to be the the previous high mark that anyone could find in terms of prospect rankings. So truly unprecedented times, uncharted territory for the Brewers. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it really does just seem like it's a matter of time before. Jackson Cheerio is probably the number one prospect in baseball. Yeah, and that's that's the 
the range that you get in when you start talking yourself into, okay, this guy's going to be the next Ryan Braun, a guy that just is comes up through the organization and becomes that franchise cornerstone for however many years. Uh, I just want to go through uh, Baseball America's top prospects throughout the last decade in the Brewers organization on a yearly basis, and it shows you uh, how much better of a position they are in terms of having a, a high ceiling talent in that top spot, even just for the organization. 2014, Jimmy Nelson. Uh, 2015, Tyrone Taylor. 2016, Orlando Arcia. 2017 and 18, Lewis Brinson. 2019, Keston Hira. 2020 and 2021, Bryce Terang. And last year going into the season, they had Aaron Ashby at the top. So seems to be a lot higher ceiling uh, player based on where he's been ranked relative to the rest of uh, baseball. Uh, also coming in at number 34 on the list is Sal Freelich. Uh, Freelich mentioned in the Brewer system write-up about having um, the best hitter for average in the the uh, organization. They also list him as the best athlete, which is impressive and surprising uh, when being in the same organization as Garrett Mitchell because we know that game-changing speed that, that Mitchell has. Um, Brody Telez is in the organization too, of course. That that that's true as well. He was not eligible for this uh, true. voting and and ranking. So if he had been there, then we would have been talking about who was second because we would have already been assuming who number one was. I so definitely don't want to disrespect Rowdy's athleticism there. Uh, in I the was Discord, I, I was think. thinking to myself earlier, Andrew, that I really just I hope we get to see a, a Rowdy Celesto on base early in the season. This is not even a bit. I was thinking to myself today. I was like. Damn, it was great when Rowdy stole that base. Need more I think about it um, hourly, actually. Uh, anytime I'm depressed, which is often, I'm just like, remember that time Rowdy Teles stole that base? And then I am instantly uh, feel better. Yeah, so Sal Freelich did come in at, at 34th on the list. Uh, their top five Brewers prospects in general are pretty standard that you'll see across many publications. Chorio, one, Freelich, two, Weimer, three. Bryce Terang, four, and Garrett Mitchell, five. That being said, it was a little surprising to me to not see Weimer make it in on the back half of this list. Obviously, we know about the throwing arm. We know about the the power at times. You know, I think some folks are worried about the strikeout rate, but I think there also might be enough patience in there at some point um, to make up for it. Surprised me a little bit. Uh, Major League Baseball's rankings, um, or MLB.com, excuse me, his rankings had Weimer come in at 84th. Uh, something, and we'll move on to the news of the day here in a moment, but I think it's just, it's so interesting baseball compared to other sports, uh, especially ones that you've covered, because uh, we might be going into an NBA draft season, and there's a pretty good consist, uh, consensus around who the collection of like maybe the top 20 guys are going into a draft. But with baseball, it seems like publication to publication, writer to writer, scout to scout, GM to GM, there can be just so much difference uh, in evaluations of players. And one thing, one way or another, uh, can change an, an entire outlook for a prospect. And, you know, MLB.com has Chorio at 10th. Um, you look at 46 as i mentioned weimer 84 so a little higher uh on weimer than other publications but lower on the other two guys so just something of note there take all these rankings with a grain of salt these guys do the work they're great at their jobs they're talking to the right people but baseball is just such a weird sport to evaluate compared to others i think just because of how much development it takes to get to point a from to point b in terms of you're in pro ball. What do you look like as a major league player? I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. It's just a massive pool because of the number of positions and because of the depth required. It's very, very different, for example, compared to the NBA. I, From my limited knowledge, I don't think it's that dissimilar to NFL in a lot of ways. Um, and I, th I think a lot of other sports, if we take to football or soccer worldwide, there's no need to rank prospects in this kind of regimented way, but the idea of consensus like you could achieve in 
the NBA or I guess even the NHL too, which more closely mirrors um NBA is is much it's it's not even as rare or it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you are gonna get this big, big gap and what's twenty or thirty places, I think if you're if you're factoring into the top one hundred, you're pretty good if you're a top one hundred prospect in baseball. There are guys to be excited about. And obviously there is a rarefied air if you get right up towards the top, like Jackson Churio and like even Marcel Friedrich is. That's uh that's something to get excited about. But yeah, to me it just part of it I guess just has to be taken with a a lot more than a grain of salt. Um, because of the unknowns that are involved in a lot of this, but it's such a big pool that if you were to drop within, say, an evaluator's positional rankings, two or three spots by a very fine margin, that could drop you 60, 70 spots overall. So I, I guess there's a point where I wouldn't put too much attention into it. You just want guys to be on the radar towards this is one of the better prospects around right now. And the Brewers are plenty of those guys. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I think it is helpful uh, because it gives us something to talk about in January and just gives reason for disagreement and discussion around the industry. And I think doing that and looking out for something with a player um, that you might not have noticed is something that's just helpful in evaluation and just enjoying the sport for me. I mean, the thing is about these Brewers prospects for me and you and our listeners and Brewers fans is we've been watching their Twitter highlights daily for the last year, watching them on uh, terrible uh, MILB streams and whatever it may be, and just obsessing and projecting. And then we get a little bit of a unbiased objective opinion thrown in there and it can just be worthy of discussion. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to talk about that because it is January and there's not that much to talk about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But Adam, transitioning to the big news of the day, uh, a signing that has divided uh, Brewer's Twitter a bit. It happened while you were sleeping in in the dead of the Irish night. Divided Brewer's Twitter? Yeah, it did. I I saw some... uh, I saw some positive reactions. I saw some negative reactions. Um, and then I'm I'm like Dwight Schrute, where how how is best to uh, sit on a fence? You stick the post in your mouth. Um, so I'm here to sit sit on the fence and say, you know what, that's fine. Um, but the Milwaukee Brewers have signed former Miami Marlins infielder outfielder Brian Anderson to a one year deal for three and a half million dollars, and I believe. $2 million in additional performance bonuses. Uh, Brian Anderson is a player that came up in the Marlins organization. Uh, I think he finished fourth in rookie of the year voting during the 2018 season. So he was a prospect with a degree of pedigree that performed right out of the gate pretty well. 
and the last two seasons have been hampered by injury. Last year, um, did not play in very many games, found found himself uh, banged up most of the time, and that there are questions about whether or not his surgically repaired left shoulder will hamper him moving forward. Um, reached the major leagues in 2017, again, had that uh, full-time rookie year in 2018. Uh, in 366 games through the 2020 season, he slashed 266, 349, 431, a 111 OPS plus, so uh, an above-average hitter. Uh, last year, he regressed to a 222, 311, 346 line, uh, and... You know what? Just couldn't stay on the field. His defensive defensive metrics in at third base and in right field have been a little bit mixed. If he returns to full health and gets back to being that slightly above league average hitter, this is a fine chance to take. The only question becomes, and we won't know that until Matt Arnold speaks, and we won't even know that in even more detail until spring training arrives and we see what the lineup is like on opening day. What does his signing impact elsewhere on the roster and who is or is not getting playing time moving forward because he is in the mix? But overall, I think it's a fine buy low to take because there's not a lot of risks there. And if it's not working, you just bail and start somebody else moving forward. But I think this, I will anticipate this being more of a utility depth piece, splitting time between third base and right field rather than you're our nailed-on starter for 162 games. Adam, what are your thoughts? Uh, sorry if, if any of my DMs woke you up. They didn't, thankfully. Um, I, I'm a little bit puzzled by this move, mostly because of some of the decisions that went before, and I think how it leaves the infield outlook looking for the Brewers. Anderson is probably the pick of the guys who are there. I don't even think it's probably. He is the pick of the guys who were there as the kind of utility option, likely to pick up some pretty meaningful run at third base. But there's quite a few guys now that I'm just kind of like, Ugh. like this is this is an area of the roster that feels kind of almost overstuffed when it just comes to sheer volume of bodies and options there and how much of it is good how much of it are we going to be happy to see out there day to day i really don't know i think you take the obvious the willie adamas rowdy Tellez, luis arias out of the equation and it's a real grab bag in a hurry and obviously what factors into this too is we're all hoping um well, you and I, I won't say we were all, you and I were certainly hoping that there was going to be a pretty clear path for Bryce Ryan to get his chance and see if he can contribute immediately. I guess similar for Salf Relic in the outfield. And this signing, coupled with those that went before, could actually be a factor in blocking both of those guys. And the Brewers going with an approach that's considerably more conservative. Um, and that's going to be a much more gradual kind of working in of those guys, which is fine. And like, there's an argument to be made for it's the right way to do this. But I guess the counterpoint is, are your Abraham Toros, your Owen Millers, uh, your Casaneras, your Mike Brasso's, are they winning you games? How many games are they winning you? I don't know. I, I'm in a place where I very much would like to see not it's not like all the prospects, but the guys who very much have they've put in the work, they've come through the levels and they performed at Nashville. It's like okay, it feels like promotion time. Um and you look at the roster and you're like, you need it too. So I don't dislike this signing if his health holds up. I think there is real value there, and it could turn out to be a very fun addition and one that rounds out the brewer's infield depth. It's just that I feel like they had made moves with the intent of rounding out in field depth, adding utility pieces before now. So something's got to give. We've got to see either some trades, some guys are going to get kicked to the curb. Some are going to end up in Nashville that we were previously thinking, well, we'd probably see some time with the Brewers for them. I don't know, but 
um, more muddled picture in the infield than I expected. Because I don't know, there weren't a whole lot of other options out there to go and do something really splashy. And I think we've long been past the point of expecting anything splashy from the Brewers. But I don't know if I was prepared for another utility infielder. Yeah. Uh, the, he's the not even a utility question. infielder, to be fair. He's he's just a utility yeah. guy. He could be an outfielder, too. Yeah, so now I just keep going on different iterations of what the opening day lineup could look like um, based on him being added to the mix. I mean, maybe the most likely is him as your opening day third baseman, but not necessarily... Like, I, I don't want to say that he's the full-on starting third baseman and that we won't see Weed Joe there and we won't see Bryce Ring at, at second a fair bit. It does make me wonder if Terang is even going to factor into the opening day plans at all, though, uh, because there's going to be odd men out. And the question that we have to ask is, are, are they valuing major league experience or seeing what the rookies bring to the table because one of Abraham Toro, Owen Miller and Bryce Terang with this signing is not going to be on the opening day roster. I think that's fair to say at least one. Another thing that springs to mind from this is I think it's more likely than ever that Keston Hira is moved before the season who knows what that looks like? He's fitting in even less. Do you really believe uh, that? I, I think it should be the case, but I, I mean, just, it, so I'm struggling to imagine does... them ever doing it. I don't know. I don't know where a lot of these guys fit in. Yeah, I mean, I think you mu- you move Hira if you're if you're really valuing all the defensive versatility that Miller, Toro, and Terang, and now Brian Anderson brings to the table. There's just no room in a guy for a guy who is going to be bad defensively at three different spots. It just doesn't make sense. Is it, so if you're putting people... You've, you've even got reduced opportunity as DH firm based on other moves you've made. For example, Jesse Winker. Could yes. And I think there's one, one versus one like comparisons between final roster spots that, that will end up being decisions made. And that's Owen Miller and Keston Hira because both of them... <laughs> have have first base playing time on the resume and then Toro and Terang because they're both the I mean Terang can play basically every infield position and center field if if he needs to and Toro uh, we'll talk about him later even second base third base flopping between the two yeah it just so it answers or asks more questions than it answers one of the reasons I'm I'm not bothered by betting on another injury recovery candidate like they are with Winker. I wasn't a fan of that a few weeks ago. And then obviously on our podcast where more free agents had not signed and we were going through a list, you made the comment like, if you're signing a guy on a one-year deal and he gets hurt or he's not effective, you just kick him to the curb and that's when you play the rookie. And so I think that there's a very like reasonable ripcord option and you pull that and if he's not effective or if he can't stay on the field, then some of these things start to sort themselves out. Obviously, the the logjam at several of these utility positions uh, lends room for confusion. But at the end of the day, I also don't mind having the options to see what happens in the spring because we'll get a, a big idea in the spring about how healthy is Brian Anderson. Is he ever going to fully recover from what happened with that left shoulder? He had the back spasm last year. And just where does everyone fit in? Does Terang come into camp and just make it impossible for you to leave him off of this roster. And I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, see him come in right away and work his way into that Jace Peterson role, if that's how they want to break him into the big leagues, which is what we were kind of thinking before we knew if Colton Wong was being traded or not. Uh, What Anderson brings to the table is clear. If he's healthy, it's 
basically Luis Arias level <laughs> production, a slightly above league average bat, uh, good contact skills, good on base skills, a little bit of power, hit 20 homers in uh, 2019, and that was his career high. Um, and then he did hit 11 in that um, that 60 game sample in 2020, um, which was probably his his best stretch with a 116 OPS plus. Uh, and I guess at the end of the day, we're just left asking the question, what does he have left and who's going to play their way into a role? I think this makes it even less likely than ever that both Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelick are going to break camp on the opening day roster because if they're really taking advantage of the ability to play outfield, then that leaves you with Tyrone Taylor and also Brian Anderson to fill in there if you need it. And if if I had to bet on it today, I'd say Yelich, Mitchell, Taylor, or Anderson uh, in right field option is what they're going with. And they'll give Mitchell a chance to, to win the job with early season performance. And then obviously once enough time has passed in the season and the service time, uh, I don't want to say issues, but service time factors with Freelick are no longer in play. Yeah, manipulation, service time manipulation with Freelick and potentially even Terang with this as we were talking are no longer in play. That's when it, they make the move. It, it makes me... It makes me wish uh, there was a more, I guess, clear direction earlier in the offseason because this move in a vacuum, if you don't have Toro and Miller, seems to give you a more clear direction. Uh, well, the the infield we... is worse. It's worse than it was last year. Like, if if we're to actually zoom out at the, at the what are the meaningful infield pieces that the Brewers lost this offseason. They trade away Colton Wong. Ups and downs, whatever you want to put it. Colton Wong had like 15 homers. There was good defense for it. There was really bad defense. He dropped off, but like he's legitimately an MLB player, right? He's he's a guy who can start for a team, no questions still at this point in the league. Then you had Jace Peterson, who pre-injury was a really important part for the team. You had your your go glove agenda for Jace Peterson. That's sort of the defense we got for Man. quite some time. And he was really good with the bat for a while. Now, when he came back from his injury, that just never came back. And maybe that was just a very brief moment and they can catch fire with one of these guys. But I'm I, worried I just... about him at Oakland. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's also tough. But like at the top end of that, I think we were assuming, okay, you're moving on from Colton you're ready to go with Bryce Terang. And that's part of the view for, well, at least holding where you were in terms of your overall contributions to the infield, and offensively and defensively, was, okay, there's this young guy who is performing well in the system, you feel good about, and there is that kind of, that magical glow of potential there where if he really hits right from the jump, it's like, oh, well, we've got something much better and we're a much better team. So if Bryce doesn't factor in, you've got just a bunch of replacement level guys. You've got kind of what was the Jace Peterson flyer. And Brian Anderson, I don't dislike this signing because he feels the most like could give you like pre-injury Jace contributions. And I think that is certainly needed. Someone who maybe isn't necessarily an everyday starter, but is going to start a lot of games and give you good contributions. He He seems best equipped to do that on both sides. Because the reality is with the other guys, like Owen Miller doesn't have a bat, Abraham Toro doesn't have a bat. Like these are very much limited players that I think when your whole core of infield depth, when all of those utility guys can't really give you a whole lot with the bat. We haven't even mentioned someone like Jonathan Singleton, who then is kind of the opposite and his spot there, I don't think we really need to put too much stock into. It just feels like it was a, a gesture for someone who's been around and has a, a nice story. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like, I, I think to to get to a point where you've got what you had last year or better in the infield, 
you will actually be relying on guys who were on the roster last year. You'd be relying on Mike Brossa to have a really good season and be better. You'd be relying on Kesson Hura to have a really good season and be better. And certainly for the latter of those, I think they should have moved on from it. But that is the kind of frustration to me when it's like, oh, they're adding another utility piece to the infield. It's like, okay, uh, that's that's great and all, but what is the point of Aram Tour or what is the point of Owen Miller? It's like you, you don't need this many guys to do this. And if anything, you needed a little bit more kind of upfront. Yes, this guy is a starter and is going to make us instantly better. And again, like they could still decide that that's Terang, but if moves like this make that feel less likely, I think it brings down the brewery ceiling in that department of the team. And that's not ideal at all. And honestly, go go further than that. I mean, look, Weicho missed some time last year. If Luis Arias was to be injured and any of these guys really have to step up, that would be very concerning offensively. Rowdy Tellez had his first season as everyday starter and was very much an Ironman. But if Rowdy Tellez was to go down and this is what you've got at first, I think you'd be concerned as well. So I... I do think all around that, and it's funny because I think we've talked a lot about other areas of the team. We've really focused on pitching quite a lot throughout the offseason. And we focused on the outfield as an area that was maybe the most obvious candidate for change. But if the change doesn't come there really as rapidly as it arguably should, and if the same applies for the infield, I think it that's a dangerous game. Like it, You're playing it very safe, but it's almost higher risk because you could just really flounder and the season could start to slip through your, your grasp early as opposed to feeling like you're building something regardless. Like there's, I don't see a positive that comes out of the worst case scenario with, with infielders like that compared to Terang where it's like, okay, it's not working, but at least he's showing something and we're getting him games. It's like, if we're seeing a lot of Abraham Toro and Owen Miller and they're losing, there's no there's no silver lining on that, except for if you're Mark Abnazio's accountant. I think what this signals is how much press, pressure offensively we know is going to be placed on both Jesse Winker bouncing back to levels beyond last year and... William Contreras bringing something to offense in his spot in the lineup because elsewhere what the biggest thing that we're talking about is unknowns and so you say safety and that's true to a degree but we don't know Brian Anderson's gonna be able to bounce back and hit like he did before he could just be done you never know I've never seen I haven't seen his medicals uh, and we should say this deal is pending a physical, and in the post-Carlos Correa world, that's more important than ever. Do you want to know what I would do, Adam, now that he's on the roster? Do you want to know how I would approach it? Also factoring in uh, what we know about how the Brewers operate. Do you want to know my solution to this? I guess so. Do I have a choice? You don't. Um, <laughs> opening day lineup, he's my starting right fielder, and Terang starts at second. Luisa Rios starts at third. Garrett Mitchell in center. Christian Yelich in left. That's and I'm and and that's this is just, where the Jesse Winker DH and Jesse Contreras, Winker DH Contreras find gotcha. the plate. Rowdy Willie. We'll just throw all the names in there. Yeah, so yeah, sure. No one feels left out. Oh, I like that. I mean, that that's more fun than what I think we would already concede. They're almost certainly going to do like. It won't be all of that, even if they do surprise us and Bryce Terang does factor in or whatever it is. Um, I mean, there is something, too, of the, and we've talked about it before, too. Tyrone Taylor is not at the Keston Hura stage, but he's not a million miles off it either, where it's kind of like, yeah, okay, like, we we know he is good for some homers, he can ha- can have good runs. But what is the upside here? What are we really building towards? What is playing him giving you the best chance of? That's that's a different matter, and it's one at this point that 
I don't think it inspires the greatest confidence. I, I, I'd be curious too, I mean, to what extent, because I generally don't think we're representative of, of any fad base, but to what extent, like, if you ask 100 Brewers fans, how do you feel if, for example, if it's Tyrone Taylor starting... And the Brewers are going into the season and they're like, you know what, this is the year where Kesson here is finally going to figure it out. Like, if we've got stuff like that again, is it just us that's really over that? Or is it possible that other people can be sold on that? I I think it's... I think there's been a shift in our year doing this. I have witnessed a shift with both of those guys. There was a lot of excitement, I think, for Tyron Taylor early last season. And, oh, well, he's finally going to seal this, and this is going to be his spot for years to come. And he did get the chance. Uh, Lorenzo Kane ensured he got plenty of chances. And by the end of the season, the Brewers are like, Estee Ruiz, Garrett Mitchell, anyone, please help us. Please, someone. And Garrett Mitchell did go and take that chance, at least in the short term. But... Just not having anyone like the Contreras and Jesse Winker, however any of that works out, and obviously with Contreras, there's not really reason to believe that's not going to work out. There are at least like clear upgrades and proven players. Sure, there's concerns over Winker, but you can see very clearly what they're doing. And when you're looking at where the Brewers were last year and what they lacked, it's like, okay, makes sense. That's a good solution. They don't have that in the infield. They just don't. And again, all it takes is something to go slightly wrong. Slightly wrong. Particularly as this is the area you would like to think Contreras and Jesse Winker are going to help you with this. Garrett Mitchell with a full season that he looks strong and he helps you with this. But this is also the the department that the Brewers were most reliant on for producing offense and for a lot of their best defense last year too. So... It's not exactly um the position that, although you wouldn't want to go out and be like, oh, well, we've got like three guys who could legitimately start at first. They're all as good as each other. We saw even with lesser options last year, we don't want to give Craig some of those decisions to make all the time because the more options in some spots, maybe the greater chance of a wrong decision. Just the second and third and what way that fits out is very much up in the air. And at this point, I don't think it's going to be resolved in a way that's apparent to us until we get into the season. And then we may spend the whole season talking about it not being resolved. And even tied to that is, well, what's Luis Arias' best position? And I think coming out of last season, you and I both agreed at least, it's third base. Get him, get him to third base. Well... I don't. I don't. Second even, base. Second base. Yeah. I. It's just without having anything around that. It's really tough. Because if none of these guys do produce, like say Jay thirty in the season, then that's a real loss because you need someone to give you that. And if Brian Anderson isn't healthy or can't find something like his previous levels, who are you? Who are you turning to? Are these options to give you that? I. I don't know who it is. Even even Brasso, sorry, because I'm, I'm still going. But Brasso, the role that was there for him last year, it's kind of reduced too by some of the options that have come in. I mean, he could still be used as a pinch hitter and hopefully have the same kind of results he had in big moments last year. But fewer opportunities to DH for him as well. It's just the construction in this area of the roster is at this point looking a little bit unusual. Yeah, uh, that's the whole going in circles aspect of it is because, oh, Brian Anderson, if he plays third base, that gets Luis Arias to second base where he grades out better than at short or third. Oh, but it also blocks Bryce Terang, who immediately walks into your infield and provides you probably, according to scouts and that have seen him in the minor league level, uh, above average to well above average defense in second base. So it's... It's a I lot guess of the reasons that the, are the reason to get these kind of options though is because you don't want to block the path, but you're also doing yeah. everything you can to kind of postpone it at the same time. Like 
I just hope they don't get caught between the two. Like it, maybe if if you don't think he's ready right now, it would have been great to have someone come in who's like is a clear starting second baseman, is a clear starting third baseman. We show us lining at the other spot, and we have clarity. Like that's what it is. That's going to be our team this year. Whether he comes up and factors in later in the season, that's great. But if you're building the roster for this season under the guise of yeah we want we believe and we need Bryce Trang to be good in the middle of the year that's great what are you going to do for the first 80 games you know if if you don't have an option good enough to carry you through that time that's kind of a weird spot too and and the answer is this when you operate financially the way they operate which is the the big elephant in the room is this is the kind of option you leave yourself with when you refuse to spend real money and that's just a a fact uh if you sit out uh a meaningful free agent market now this is not to uh diminish the brewers offseason by any means because i love the william Contreras trade i like taking the chance on jesse winker but if you're signings are three and a half million dollars for brian anderson coming off two injury riddled seasons and late 30s wade miley for four million another signing i really like um these these are these are the options you're going to be left with and there's going to be no perfect solution the other funny thing about all of this is that you know we spend time worrying over what this is going to do to the lineup early in the season what happens if this guy doesn't contribute what happens if that this guy doesn't contribute the fact of the matter is if the pitching is what it was in 2021 none of this may matter and we'll be watching a lot of stressful 5-3 wins uh where corbin burns brandon woodruff and freddie peralta delight us uh but they can't string runs together that's what we may be in for but relying on that after we saw what can happen when injuries pile up in your rotation it is not something you know i love maybe i'm unreasonable and hoping they would have gone out and made a big swing to try and trade for someone like yandy diaz who brings a rock solid offensive profile at third base defense being whatever it is uh but when you're shopping at the dollar store adam uh sometimes you're going to come home with more risk than certainty um I mean, and for what his contract is paying, it, it very well may be a stop a stopgap option that ends with Bryce Terang starting at second base and Weicho back at third in May. But to your earlier point, then what did you do for a month and a half and how much damage has it done to your long-term season-wide goals? I don't know. Hopefully, Brian Anderson's healthy, makes a positive impact with the bat, and we're looking back at this conversation saying, well, it worked itself out, but I guess it just raises a lot of questions. We should talk. We actually didn't have this on our agenda, but it's probably more important than some of the things we could move on to. Um, We should talk arbitration, the avoidance of arbitration, and the failure to avoid arbitration in one notable case. And while we're talking about the Brewers spending, their off-season business, because, uh, yeah, this stuff is all kind of very important and noteworthy, Andrew. Ah, yes, it is noteworthy, Adam. Um, So the Brewers avoided arbitration uh, with most of the players that were arbitration I've got the el- list. eligible. I can, I can read through them. I've got it in front of me if you want, because it seems I sprung this uh, no, I've got Hobie Milner, Victor Caratini, Keston Hira, Rowdy Telez, Willie Adamas, Eric Lauer, Luis Arias, Devin Williams, Brandon Woodruff, all avoided arbitration. Did I miss any there? Abraham Toro is the only one you missed. Uh, Adam, why don't you tell us the one man uh, they didn't avoid arbitration with and the difference in filings? <laughs> so there is this uh, up-and-comer within the Brewer system, some of you might have heard of. He goes by the name of Corbin Burns. Um, he filed for $10.75 million. The Brewers filed at $10.01 million. And so they're headed to arbitration with their star pitcher. My Not a lot of money, thoughts. Andrew, that difference. Not a lot of money. Uh, my initial thoughts are that 
the optics on this are the biggest problem. Does it make a meaningful difference in extension and conversations they'll have with Willie Adamas, Brandon Woodruff, or Fred or Freddie Peralta's on his first extension, so maybe not factoring in him. But will the optics of this and looking cheap play a factor into conversations with those players or perception around the league from other players? That's where it rubs me the wrong way. It tells me that something we long knew is that they do not plan on extending Corbin Burns. If they start slow this year, we will have the unfortunate task of talking about trading Corbin Burns and Corbin Burns trade rumors going into midseason. At the very least, I'm sure we'll get to talk about it a lot in the offseason after the 2023 season. But whether or not it's actually a meaningful thing, it's just a bad look. And it seems like, I mean, I've heard the argument like, well, if you're not going to extend the guy, why are you going to pay him? It's a business. This is the process. Blah, 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 blah. They're human beings. And like, it's, it's not breaking your budget it just looks cheap and it just it makes everything everyone says about your organization true yeah i mean i don't know if this matters in terms of perception because everyone already knows they're cheap like corbin burns knows they're cheap willie donna's knows they're cheap he may be further down the road on you know ceiling extension if if they weren't brandon motorf knows they're cheap everyone in the organization, like Corbin Burns probably saw the writing on the wall for this when his close friend Josh Hader was traded. Um, with as much as we can point to the problems, he was traded, Hader was traded because of what was coming, and that was the increase in salary. And the Brewers were like, Nope, get us out of here before we'd have to pay anything. We were interested in you being the best closer in baseball when you're cheap, when you're not cheap, we don't want to partner. Look, some of that is the realities of the situation. That's fine. Um, I I actually think this is what probably Burns and a lot of people expected. You could have it's it wouldn't have just been like maintaining the status quo if you had avoided arbitration here. I think you might have that might have worked towards your perception. You might have surprised some people. Oh, look at the Brewers just making no fuss. Corbin Burns tied down for another year. Maybe, maybe they're going to surprise us yet. And I do think the other thing with that, as much as like it would be a pretty hard bluff, I think a move like this also doesn't strengthen your your position in trades because you can't pretend. Oh, we'll just extend them if you don't give us a good enough offer. We'll extend them. Everyone kind of knows where they're at on what they're doing here. It's just such a stupidly small and trivial amount of money in the sense of what a Major League Baseball franchise is and for a player of his caliber to get to this point and to go through the to-do of it. And then, yeah, if things go poorly, you may not only be looked to trade him, but he'll probably have a few things to say here or there. I don't really think Corbin Burns is that guy, but I do also think he's been pretty incredible for the Brewers They've been very good for him too and helping him develop into the, the pitcher he is today. But he's also seen his fair share. He's also had to uh, deal with some of the frustrations that are, oh, we should be able to win, but this is the organization we're in and this is how they manage things and spend. So it's really tough and this isn't going to make him feel any better. That doesn't do your chances better for this year too, because if your if your plans are you're not going to extend them, but it's like, yeah, well, we want to take full advantage of this year when we have them there. We want to go for a hopefully a really successful year, go in a World Series. You're not putting them in the best state of mind to go and be the best Corbin Burns this season either. By this, like this is. This is very much uh, new for me, arbitration, but this particular one is it's the restricted free agency in the NBA where just, you know, a guy ends up having to sign an offer sheet to come back for one year and just the resentment does not go away. There's there's no coming back from that. Well, the resentment is heightened in some cases because I can't think of anything more capitalistic in America, Adam. Uh, going to a hearing where you shit talk your employee 
that you want to perform to the highest of their abilities to suppress their wages. Can you think of anything more American than that, Adam? Because that's what it is. Like, um, I don't know, man. It's uh, maybe I'm overreacting, but I, I was I was in line with all of the people. It just seems unnecessary. Uh, like that's yeah. that sort of boils down to it's like it's. I don't think we're being really. So it doesn't come to define the brewer season, but you're just like no, 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 not at all. Do we really need to do this, guys? Could we, like for this amount of money. And, like, I don't know if you have any way of knowing this if you have a strong read. Do you think the Brewers are going to win out in arbitration and come out the happier of the two? Um, I don't I, have. It doesn't seem a, like Burns is being particularly, like, no, unrealistic that's, that's or my... excessive at all, which is the, the big thing there. Yeah, because it's it's either or. It's not like they're going to reward you in the middle. They choose a winner, and that salary is what you get. So, I yeah, based on that aspect of what arbitration is, I think they would side with Burns. I mean, Cy Young in 2021 threw more innings in 2022 and was the workhorse of your staff that was riddled by injuries for many points of the season. I mean, I I would think they would side with him. And just, yeah, unnecessary and... Just like we've had an off season that's, you know, mostly been just a lot of positivity despite some of the changes because you and I are really looking forward to at some point seeing the rookies. Uh, we like the William Contreras move, hoping for a bounce back on uh, Jesse Winker. And then it's just like, oh, we had to we had to throw one uh, sour bit of discussion point into the mix when when, you know, we were, we were having such a great time. For sure, they uh, they they know how to do that. It just it, again, it it feels unnecessary. It really does because it just doesn't have to be this way for that little amount of money. In some ways, I'm really rooting for for Burns to come out of that with you know just a little oh, a, a significant portion more where it should be a lesson learned, and they can. Uh, they can say to themselves, well, maybe that just really isn't worth doing for a multitude of reasons then. Despite being someone that loved reading Moneyball, loves the movie, and, you know, understands... Players should get paid. Yeah, I'm pro-player in 100% of situations. If If you get overpaid, I celebrate that. Good for you. You did it. Uh... Adam, do we want to table one discussion point I had for our announcement, or should we get into it? All right, we'll table that conversation for a few weeks from now at some point, and now this will give me a chance to fully flesh this out, especially when we know more about rosters and just don't have the preliminary rosters. Talk a little bit about World Baseball, the World Baseball Classic. Adam and I, on Make Time for This, did an uh, entire podcast series on the World Cup. This is decidedly not that, but it's a very fun and relatively new, obviously, international baseball competition that I'm excited to get Adam's thoughts on in the future and talk about um, some brewers that will be active participants. Will we live uh, stream on playback the Mexico-USA game that will feature uh, at least three brewers? I'd like to, but Good chance. We'll, we'll catch you in March with we'll that. see. Well, talk about what we will play back. Is that a, a good idea now? It sure is. So those of you who listened to our last episode, or those of you who are in our, our Discord, GSPN Discord, and will already know, but let me remind you, let me tell anyone who is, hasn't already been listening, and um, we are going to start uh, a full watch-through of the Brewers' 2018 playoff run. Uh, we wanted to take a step back in time, enjoy some Brewers' good times this offseason, and we're not going that far back in time. Um, but I, I think in some ways that's going to make it even more interesting. It was a really great Brewers run. No spoilers, anyone. Um, I'm excited to see how it plays out. And when we announced we were going to do this, one of the first things that happened, Andrew, instead of people being really grateful and being like, oh, I'm so excited. This is great. We got you got to do game 163. Got to do game 163. I am joking. People were excited. People were grateful. But people also wanted Game 163 against the Cubs to set the whole thing in motion. 
So we had to uh we had to ask some questions. We had to see if that was feasible. And yes, we're happy to announce that we are going to start off our 2018 postseason watch through with the last regular season game. I guess it's kind of a playoff game in its own right. But we are going to watch game 163 and then over the weeks to come before the Brewers season rolls around, we will watch the 2018 Brewers take on the Rockies and we will watch the 2018 Brewers take on the Dodgers. We did this on playback. If you have never watched a Brewers game with some playback before, playback is a service where Andrew and I will be quote unquote up on stage um, you'll be able to hear us talk, commentate as such, I guess, share our ideas throughout the game, our thoughts, and you can all join in and be in the room. We have a busy chat on the side. You can chime in with your thoughts as the game goes on. It's always a lot of fun. We have a lot of regulars who basically never miss a Brewers game that we watch on playback. And if you've never tried it before, I think this might be a, a fun way to do it. I know there's plenty of people who listen who are missing baseball, generally missing Brewers baseball specifically. So come relive some of your favorite memories of recent years and uh, watch Andrew and I like get fully acquainted with them from Brewers' perspective. There's going to be a lot here that's going to be fun for us to take in. And uh, we've said it already. I'll say it again. I think we'll at least do kind of a a segment on each podcast where we'll talk about the most recent games we watched, any kind of takeaways that we've got from them. So there'll be some 2018 Brewers seeping into the podcast um, for the near future. But yeah, we'll be on playback. If you want to make sure that you can join us, the best thing to do is get in the, the Discord, gspn.info. You'll find the link to the Discord. We'll always announce everything in our Brewers channel in there. We'll try to do the same on social media. What I can tell you for now is and um, we're going to get this thing started on Tuesday. Let me see what date that is. The 24th. I uh, haven't picked a time, Andrew. Will we say 6.30 Central? Will we, will we go with that? That sounds great. Um, I think that's that's giving people it's I'm sure it's on the edge, it's giving people enough time. Uh, plus, it's not killing Andrew in the Eastern time zone or me on the other side of the world. So, I'm just trying to borrow a little bit back there. But from 6 30 central, we will be watching game 163 Brewers Cubs from 2018. You'll find that on Tuesday on playback. Get in the Discord, you'll have the link. We'll look to tweet it out too. And if you've any other questions or you can't find it, just get us on Twitter. Um, and we'll be we'll be happy to point you in the right direction. I have a sleep disorder, Adam. So if we want to start at midnight, I'm ready to go. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I obviously watched these games um, as a neutral at the time. But you know what? Uh, I'll sit down with you and our friends, crack a no free ads beer, and just watch it as if I'm watching it for the first time with the love and anxiety for the Milwaukee Brewers that has been flowing through my body throughout the last year. I'm looking forward to that and uh, should be a fun time. It should. Until the next time, which maybe then, probably just after that, you'll hear from us next, um, barring anything big and splashy from the Brewers. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Andrew ran through all of the other GSPN shows earlier, whether it's books, Packers, pop culture, go subscribe, listen to the relevant feed. You won't be disappointed. Maybe you'll be disappointed, but I'm just going to say you won't be. I do want to say, because um, maybe some listeners of this podcast that don't listen to our pop culture podcast make time for this. We talked about The Last of Us on the last episode, an HBO show that's based off of a very popular game. So I'm, I'm sure baseball play, fans play video games. So that's if true. you like The Last of Us, listen to that episode. Yeah, Andrew and I talk through it, make time for this. We talk movies, we talk TV. It's mostly movies, but we talk TV. We'll have a music episode coming up soon. We did all of our World Cup episodes there. It's basically the place for uh, everything that isn't books, brewers, and packers here at GSPN. In addition to that, 
if you want to kind of interact with us more often, go back and forth with your thoughts on episode, you can, of course, do that in the Discord. We appreciate those of you who do. But we've also been uh, getting involved on Repod, a platform which is specifically designed for all things podcasts. You can listen to our episodes on there. You can follow Cruising for a Bruising. You can go back and forth and reply, and each episode is basically a, a forum of such opens up where if you have any thoughts on any of the the brewers topics we brought up over the course of an episode, anything we said, let's hear them. Positive, negative, let's talk through it all. Join repod.com forward slash cruising for bruising. That will get you to the cruising for bruising page. Download the app. Uh, it's been good across multiple of our podcasts. We've got people, active people involved. It's been a lot of fun so far. So make sure to uh, set up on repod and come chat with us. All right, Andrew. I think that pretty much does it. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Get your Brian Anderson talking about Brian Anderson jokes ready. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.